Hi, this is Corey Olson, and welcome to Students of the Word. This podcast consists of recordings of the weekly Bible study I've started running in February of 2022. I'm doing close reading, uh, which means we're going very slowly, thinking really carefully about the words, how everything fits together, and then, of course, also thinking about what this means for us and what we do with it. Thanks for listening, and I pray that God will bless the reading of his word as we study together. Okay, welcome to episode 21. So today we do some uh, struggling with the Greek, thinking about some of the words that are used and thinking a lot about the syntax. There's a bunch of unusual things uh, that John is doing, and we spend some time trying to work out some of these patterns to both understand these sentences and how they all fit together. And at the end, uh, we come to some interesting, I think, conclusions about some of the patterns that we can see going through this entire paragraph. So uh, get ready for some uh, wrestling with language today. And here we go. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to session 21 of Students of the Word. Uh, Today, we are going to be, today, I uh, called this session Love and Hatred because we're going to be finishing up uh, uh, verse. We're going to be looking, so we're looking at, uh, you know, 9, 10, and 11, this, uh, you know, the set of verses that we've been looking at here at the end of paragraph four uh, of First John. We spent a lot of time uh, finishing nine and then going into 10 uh, last week. We got through a bunch of 10, except the one thing I pushed off to this week um, was the cause for stumbling, talking about scandalon. I'm looking at the Greek here because um, it's that Greek word scandalon that uh, uh, we didn't get to discussing last week. Um, but uh, let's let's read the paragraph again. Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. That powerful final verse. um, And notice even the kind of rhetorical build that we get there, right? This is, um, um, this sounds, Of all of the places where we've been kind of saying, like, all right, is this the end of the paragraph? Does he seem to be signaling that this is the end of one, you know, sort of chunk of thought and the beginning of another? Um, And there are some places where we found, like, especially there in uh, in paragraph two, where we found it sort of straddling, you know, we... I we found ourselves, at least I found myself not agreeing with the chapter break, right? That was um, that was inserted into the text. Um, so there have been some times when I've been like, well, you know, not sure whether whether the chapter or the paragraph ends or not. That verse eleven is pretty emphatically, yeah, yeah. And then of course the next verse begins with the, you know, I am writing to you, little children, right? Um, uh, but you can hear it even even without looking at the next verse. You can hear the rhetorical build, right? The rhetorical cadence of it. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Um, <clears throat> the way that that brings everything together is really, really, really strong. Is really powerful. Um, but okay, so bunch of things. Not quite sure which way to start with as well. We should probably, let's go back to verse 10. 
Let's go back to verse 10. I was going to look at sort of the bigger picture there of 9, 10, and 11, but I want to um, I want to go back first to 10 because we left. Uh, I want to come back to the th- first with the thing, start with the thing <clears throat> that I said we would talk about this week, and that is Scandalon. The one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause of stumbling in him. Um, we spent some time talking about loving your brother, who your brother is, loving your brother, um, and abiding in the light. Um, but that he then goes on to add that there is no cause of stumbling in him. Um, there is no scandalon is the word, right? Um, and I want to, I want to look at the syntax there a little bit. The one loving the brother of him in the light abides and cause of stumbling in him. There is not. Okay. So notice the parallelism there. Um, we're saying some things, uh, we're saying some things about um the one loving the brother of him right so these are these are these are two um we we get two verbs right the subject of the verb is the one like the person person who loves his brother right the one loving the brother of him is the subject of the sentence and what is the verb well there are two verbs right abides and is Right, so they're the 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 one in whom the love of the, the 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 one loving the brother of him abides in the light. That's the simple thing, right? Abide then in the light would be an adverbial an adverbial phrase, right? Modifying abides abides where abides in the light, right? Um, it tells us something about the abiding where the abiding happens. Um, abides in the light and cause for stumbling. In him, there is not. And so on the one hand, it's it's almost parallel construction, but it's not parallel. Um, and cause for stumbling in him, not there is. Okay, okay. Um, Notice that there is, is just, there isn't, the word there isn't there, right? The there is, the word there is added here to make the English make sense, right? Because in English, we wouldn't do this. We would add another subject for that verb. Yeah, gosh, this is even more complicated than I was thinking about when I started. Hang on. So let's look at the English translation. Yeah. Yeah, Randall, I'm beginning to think the same thing. You're right. You're right. Scandalon is the is nominative, is nominative. That is the subject. Yes, it's not parallel, exactly. Okay, okay. And scandalon, subject is not in him where is it not it is not in him why is the there there yeah we would use a there sort of helpingly cause for stumbling is not in him right 
So you see the way, so the relationship between these two clauses, the one loving the brother of him abides in the light. Right. So we get, because you notice the the, the in is, establishes a parallel, right? And it's interestingly almost reciprocal, right? So for the one loving his brother, he abides in the light. So he lives in the light. And then the second phrase talks about something which is not in him. He is in the light, but something is not in him. Right. So that's that's the sort of the parallel, which is a, which is a reversal there, really. Right. Because of the not. Right. Um, so he is in something, but something else is not in him. And the thing that is not in him when he is abiding in the light is the scandalon. Yeah. Okay. Yes, the there makes English smoother, makes the English smoother. Right, a more, a less, uh, an even less, uh, <laughs> it's funny, I'm sure, Randall, that um, any Bible translator would find my desire for an even less accommodating to the English translation than the New American Standard, quite comical. Because, of course, the New American Standard and the King James both are, you know, sort of famous for sometimes be attempting to be so literal in their translations that the English is sometimes not even clear um, because they're being, again, they're being so literal to the Greek or the Hebrew that they... Um, they sometimes don't make uh, the, a full compromise <laughs> with English syntax and uh, and ways of speaking. Um, yes, um, the one loving the brother of him abides in the light and cause of stumbling is not in him, would be literal. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, the three terms, essentially. So if we, we, we sort of take the one loving the brother of him, and that's the term we spent like all of the last time talking about, or most of the last time talking about, but in the, in the, in the, the sort of the predicate of this sentence, right? We have, he gives us, John gives us these three terms. We have the pronoun, right? We have, we have him sort of in the middle, right? The one loving the brother of him. And uh, sorry, I'm taking a delivery here. A little canine delivery. Um, you've got the, the one loving the brother of him. And then you have, these the two other terms, the light and the scandalon, right? Um, and you've got him kind of in the middle, right? He is in the light, and the scandalon is not in him. So he's being connected with the one term and distanced from the other term, or rather the other term is being distanced from him. They're not exactly symmetrical. He's not exactly saying like he's in the light, not in the scandalon, right? Uh no, he's in the light, and therefore the scandalon is not in him. Okay. Now, I think I understand the structure of that a little bit better, but now let's understand the word better. Scandalon. So the word scandalon, when we click on it, um, says, well, actually, hang on a second. Let's, to get a definition, let's click on the number instead. Um, so the common usage of the word scandalon outside the Bible is as bait for a trap. Um so it's therefore it's the thing that causes the animal to trigger 
a trap, right? Um, so that's the 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 sort of the kind of dominant again outside the Bible dominant concept of that. However, the usages in the New Testament don't go in that direction. I can't find any use of scandalon, which is clearly using it in a bait and the trap sense, right? Um, the way it tends to be used, um, it's used in the get the get thee behind me Satan verse when uh, Jesus is talking to Peter, get thee behind me Satan, you are a scandalon to me. Um, I look, so when I click through to the verses, we get this uh, 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 wonderful chart, which I then have to read, you then have to read vertically down the English column, right? And having turned, he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, a stumbling block you are to me, for not your thoughts are of the things of God, but the things of men, right? For your thoughts are not of the things of God, but of the things of men, and therefore you are a scandalon to me. Now, Jesus is obviously using the word metaphorically here. In fact, the interesting thing that I was noticing um, when we look at all the usages is that as far as I can see, this passage in 1 John uses the word more literally than anybody else. It's being used as a metaphor. Um, and stumbling block seems to me to be a good um, uh I mean, I guess we could possibly, it seems to me to be a good translation. I mean, you can possibly say, I mean, I guess I haven't thought through every single one of these instances to consider like, does bait in a trap work? Maybe it does. Um, uh, maybe it does. And we could, uh, uh, we could translate um, all of these as bait in a trap instead. Um other instances, uh, right. For it is inevitable uh, that stumbling blocks come, uh, you know that when you know Jesus is in eighteen Matthew eighteen. Woe to the world because of the cause of sin, because because of the scandalon. Um, uh, it is necessary that the scandal that the scandala scandala right the, the the more than one scandalon come, but woe to the man by whom the scandalon cometh. Right, so we got it three times in that verse, and then we get in Romans a couple times. And David says, he says, quoting the Psalms, let uh, uh, let be the table of them for a snare and a trap and for a stumbling block and for a scandal on for a retribution of them. Well, that one does seem to be a bait in the trap one, come to think on it. And then uh, no longer, therefore, uh, should we judge one another, uh, but determine this rather uh, not to put any. Oh, hey, that's not scandal on. Oh, yeah, not to put any. Stumbling brock, proscoma, not going to even get into that, uh, before your brother or scandal on. Okay. Don't put a scandal on or the other thing in front of your brother. Okay. And then, of course, this is probably, I think, the most famous one in 1 Corinthians 1. We, however, preach Christ crucified to the Jews, indeed a scandal on to the, to the Gentiles, now foolishness. Right, a scandal on to the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks. Um, I think that's at least that's where I always that's where I encounter the word scandal on myself. Um, and we have uh, the cross being a scandal on to people there in Galatians five, and then we're gonna get it once in Revelation, 
um, Revelation 2, remember this is the address to the churches, but I have against you a few things because you have some there holding the teaching of Balaam who would teach Balak to cast a scandal on before the sons of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and commit sexual immorality. Um, as I say, in most of these places, I mean, I, I mean, so there isn't anywhere where it's simply being, um, simply physically used like on the remember when we were looking at the darkness is passing away and we're looking at the verb passing away and the verb passing away sometimes just refers to like somebody leaving the room right um and sometimes is used more metaphorically uh like the idea of a thing is a thing is passing or a thing is going away um more 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 abstractly more metaphorically um and uh um the um we don't, I, as far as I can see, get any instances of seeing the word scandalon being used just as a literal thing, like of somebody tripping on something or of a, an animal going into a trap. Um, so we don't have any clear uh, grounding for it in that sense. Um, but uh, um, but yeah, I, it, Devor, it is the origin of the word scandal uh, as well. Yeah, ultimately um yes yes um okay good thank you randall uh just said he just took a quick look at its use in the septuagint the septuagint you may remember is the greek translation of the hebrew bible um and the um the greek translation of the hebrew bible which was in 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 I think it's safe to say dominant use throughout the time you know like the time when the new testament was being written as well um so that's a really relevant and important one. And he says it's usually the use of scandalon in the Septuagint. It usually corresponds there to the word translated stumbling block in a figurative sense. Yeah, um, it's, it seems to be one of those. Now, no, we have a lot of these in our language. Um, I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, um, but I bet you you can think of examples of uh, like figures of speech that we use a lot when we don't actually do the um, um, the physical thing almost ever but we use the metaphor all the time um uh anyway uh yeah anyhow um but um yeah exactly randall points out that the majority of new testament quotations from the hebrew bible are verbatim or almost verbatim from the Septuagint. Yeah, it's pretty clear that the um, the authors of the New Testament were actually using the Septuagint uh, uh, in their uh, looking at the Hebrew Bible. So yeah, uh, very relevant source. Anyhow, okay. Um, Scandalon, cause for stumbling or the thing that causes the animal to go into the trap, right? Um, either way, this is what is not in the one loving his brother um while that because the one loving his brother abides in the light right he is in the light and the scandalon is not in him the cause of stumbling um so the metaphor here is clearly something that not just gets in your way it's not just an obstacle right? This is something that is going to, 
um, what hamper you significantly, right? If it's a stumbling block, that's the best case scenario, isn't it? Um, you know, a stumbling block means uh, you're just uh, you're just going to fall on your face, uh, which is better. I mean, it could be worse, right? You could be uh, falling into a trap that will lead to your death. So uh, one way or the other. Um, but um, the, again, I, I, going back to the first example, the get thee behind me Satan passage, right? You are a scandal on to me. You are a, uh, because of your, your attitude here, right? The attitude that you were just voicing, um, caring more about the things of God than the things of men than the things of God. Um, that is a scandal on to me. It's going to cause me to trip, right? That's going to cause me to stumble. That's going to make me, uh, it's going to, it's going to bring me down, right? Um, in this, uh, in, uh, in this way. And this is why he says, get, get behind me, right? Get behind me. Um, I can't have you in front of me. I can't have you in my way because you are not just an impediment. You're not just like a passive impediment, like a, you know, a wall or something you have to go around, right? But something which if I attempt to go forward is going to make me um, stumble and fall possibly fatally, right? Again, if it's a trap, right? Which is going to, which is going to entrap you and kill you permanently, right? Um, and that I, I, I think, I, I think it's in a sense, an extension of that metaphor. I think that that metaphor, the scandal on metaphor, it seems to me to be why Jesus talks about getting behind him, right? He's that it's an extension of that, of that metaphor. Um, it's the safest place, <laughs> to have a scandal on, right? To have a, a either a trap or a, uh, or a, a stumbling block is, uh, you know, on the path behind you where you're not going to be, you're not going to be having to worry about it anymore where it can't, um, uh, where it can't trip you up. Um, this of course fits very well well, the reason I said earlier on that John's usage of scandal on here is in a sense almost more um almost more literal than in many other places is that it is explicitly part of a walking a, a metaphor of walking, right? Um, which he is going to be extending, which metaphor he's going to be extending in verse eleven walking in the darkness and not knowing where you're going because the darkness has blinded your eyes. And he sets up that extended metaphor with the use of the word scandalon in line 10, fulfilling one of the, um, one of the functions. And this of course is referencing back to paragraph two, right? Um, uh, walking in the darkness versus walking in the light. Um, that metaphor of walking, um, and you know, being led astray and things like that um, is a metaphor that that John has already used to which he's returning here. And there's a sense in which it seems to me that verses nine through eleven really serve as a kind of clarification on what he was saying. And, and again, I we talked about this a little bit last time about how um, instead of like carefully explaining things you know, carefully sort of setting things up and then saying the thing, right? Um, John instead is, uh, John, John is instead saying the thing and then says the setup later on so that as we reflect backwards on it, the things he said earlier make more and more sense in the light of the things he goes on to say. That seems to be more John's style, right? Um, 
at the time we were asking, what does it mean to walk in darkness? What's he talking about there? And I think it's very clear that we're getting much more information in response to that question here in verses 9 through 11, as he takes the metaphor that he invoked in uh, chapter 2, or sorry, back in chapter 1 and paragraph 2, and he is now giving us more about that. Um, If you walk in the light as he is in the light, if you abide in the light, there is no cause of stumbling in you. It means that you will be free to walk. You will be able to walk and you won't have to worry. There's no scandal on in you, in you, not before you, not around you, in you. If you're walking in darkness, he's going to go on to explain what it means, I think, to have a stumbling block in you, um, not just to um, uh, not just to uh, encounter a stumbling block, right? He doesn't just say, could say, the one who loves his brother abides in the light and doesn't have to worry about stumbling blocks because you've got light, right? I mean, when it's light, you can see an obstacle in your path that might trip you in the darkness. If you were stumbling along in the darkness, you might have tripped on that thing, but in the light, you can see it. So it's fine. I mean, I think that that is implied here, right? But it's much more than that. Um, you're by, you again, you've got the, the one loving his brother in the middle, the light on the one side and the scandal on the other side, right? You are in the light and then the scandal on is not in you. Um, more on the scandal on, let's go ahead and look at verse 11. Um, but the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Um, I want to I look for a second at the way in which this time through, John is varying the pattern, I think, in an important way. Let me tell you what I mean by the pattern. We talked about this several times, right? Seeing the pattern that he established here in paragraph two, If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Um, Right? So that's the pattern that he establishes. If we say this, we lie. But if we do this, then this, right? Um, And we saw that pattern again in paragraph three. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected, right? Um, The one who says this, right, but does this is a liar. This is impossible. This can't be. This doesn't happen, right? But whoever does the other thing, but if this happens, then this other thing is true, right? So we see that not, not articulated in exactly the same way, but we see the same pattern there in paragraph two. In paragraph three, notice the pattern is not the same. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. That has the same general shape of the beginning. The one who says this, and yet this is true, it's all nonsense right 
Okay, sure. But now watch what happens afterwards. He doesn't just say, um, but the one who, you know, you know, but if this, then this, right? He does start that way. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there's no cause for stumbling him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the dark. It's the third verse that breaks the pattern, if you see what I mean, right? He doesn't just give us, if you... If your words and actions don't line up in this way, then it's all nonsense. But if this reality happens, then this is the outcome of that reality, right? Then this is what happens. You're cleansed of all unrighteousness. Uh, you are, the love of God is perfected in you, right? Um, it first looks like that, right? Nine and 10 do have that same shape but 11 is different the one who hates his brother is in the darkness that is he doesn't go back to it if we i you know go back go back before um he introduces a new one right if we say we have no sin we're deceiving ourselves if we say that we have not sinned we make him a liar right he he introduces some new term like he does it again in different ways um but he doesn't go back to walking in the dark, like in six and seven, right? He doesn't say, verse six, if we say this and yet walk in the darkness, it's nonsense, right? But if we walk in the light instead, then we have fellowship and we're cleansed from all sin. And then verse eight, he doesn't return to walking in the darkness, right? He doesn't, he doesn't go back to that. He, he moves on. I mean, he's not changing the subject, but he moves on to a different pairing if you see what i mean same thing the second time around the one who says this but his actions are this it's all nonsense but whoever keeps his word in him the love of god has truly been perfected and then in this we know that we are in him he's again still emphasizing the sort of the positive thing but he doesn't come back to just as he didn't come back to what about the one walking in darkness. What about walking? Can we talk more about walking in darkness? No, he's not interested in talking about walking in darkness in the second paragraph. Can we talk more about not keeping his commandments? No, no, he's not interested in that, right? He's going to tell us, he's emphasizing, um, again, sort of like the positive thing. Here, we do return to it. And what we get, therefore, is instead of just like, essentially a kind of a two-verse pairing, right? With the nonsense thing in the first verse and the like deep and powerful truth, the deep and powerful cause and effect, right? In the second verse, he gives us that. And then he gives us a third verse, which is set in parallel to that second verse. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Do you see what I mean by saying, because it's, he's not exactly changing the pattern. He's adding something. He's giving us something new. And this verse is this new thing. He's not gone back to the negative thing, but here he does. And I think it's significant that he does this in 
the moment in which he is, as we've been discussing in the last couple sessions, making it more practical. Right again, looking back at the other two examples, walking in darkness, walking in the light, powerful but vague, right? I mean, can be applied in many different ways, open to application in many different ways, but he doesn't spell out any of them. He's not talking about any particular thing explicitly, just walking in darkness, walking in the light. Um, in verse, in the second time, right? In the third paragraph, um, keeping his commandments. We're a little bit more specific here, there, right? Um, but again, he, you know, like whoever keeps his word, still like vague if you see what i mean right he's not actually talking about those commandments themselves he's talking about like the package deal right the whole big picture there still big picture third time through it is much more specific right it's like we're coming back to the same idea and saying okay let me let me let me be more particular here. Let me give an illustration, but it's not just like a random illustration. It's not like a a, a, a sort of an arbitrary hypothetical scenario, right? Like, uh, okay, so the person who, like, I don't know, does a really specific thing, right? Like the person who steals something from somebody, um, but like it's 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 not that kind of scenario, right? Um, and yet it's much more specific. We're talking about an action. We might be able to look at, um, it's possible, if we had nothing but the first two pairings, we might be able to say to ourselves, well, walking in the light, yes, I think I'm generally walking in the light, right? Walking in the darkness, no, 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 that's not me, right? Because it's vague. You know, there's there's a lot of scope there. Keeping his commandments gets a little bit more in our business, right? Um, but again, still like oh yes i i i you know on the level on the whole i i think i i i i keep you know the lord's commandments uh so yeah cool great right i think i'm still fine this is there is a more specific action here right and that is hate he who says he's in the light and hates his brother do you hate your brother do you act hatefully towards people? Um, this is getting much more up in our business, right? Much harder to temporize with, should we be so inclined to do that, right? Um, so at the same time, though, that he's doing that, that he's making it in this way more concrete, he also lays out the dark side, quite literally, the dark side here, right? Um he does the same thing at the beginning, right? If you say this, but you act like that, if you say you're in the light, but you actually hate your brother, nonsense, again. But, and notice also, like, in laying these out, it's not an if-then clause. He doesn't explicitly say, he doesn't say if-then, um, the word if doesn't appear in verse five of chapter two and the second time through. Um, but whoever follows his his love in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. Um, it still has that same kind of logical flow to it, right? Um, if one does this, then this happens, right? Um, here, 
we do get that same implied kind of if then, right? Like if you love your brother, then you abide in the light and there is no scandal on in you. Right? And the scandal on is not in you. Um, my goodness, Randall, when I just said that, when I just did the literal translation of that, if you love your brother, you abide in the light and the, and the scandal on is not in you. Doesn't that start to sound different? That sounds very different from there is no scandal on in you. There is no stumbling block in you. It sounds very different to say the stumbling block is not in you. Right? Um, yeah, that feels super different. And that's what John actually says. And the scandal on is not in you. Right. I mean, he doesn't use the definite article. How would we? How did? How would that work, Randall? I know nothing about this. The definite article they have article. Unlike Latin, where there are really no articles, we have an article uh, in Greek. Um, no scandal on is in you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. No scandal on is in you. Yes. Um, well, but it doesn't exactly say that either, right? Scandal on is not in you is not in him right um uh <laughs> it's okay i can see through the typos randall i do that all the time um i'm trying to figure out when you use a noun like that because it's a singular noun right neuter nominative neuter singular yeah yeah when you use a, a singular noun like that Without a definite article in Greek, what does it mean? It could be indefinite or abstract. Yeah. Yeah. So something like, would then, are there indefinite articles in Greek? I know there are definite articles like ton up here, the brother of him and in the light. Um, are there indefinite articles? No, they're not indefinite articles. So, it would be accurate then to translate it um, abides in the light and a scandal on is not in him. Right. Singular. Yeah. A scandal on. I hear what you're saying. I mean, I'm not saying I think no scandal on is in him is like totally inaccurate. The reason I'm asking this Randall is that when I said it that way, all of a sudden I was like, Holy cow. Um, it almost sounds like a, he's taking what is already a metaphor, um, a clearly a well-established metaphor. Um, the metaphor of tripping on something or, or being trapped by something um, and using it to refer to a thing that somebody says or uh, a situation in which you would occur, uh, in, 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 in which you might find yourself. Um, don't create a scandal on for others. Don't create a cause for them to trip or stumble or become entrapped. Um, or, you know, something in which they might become entrapped. So that's clearly used do sort of dominantly in that metaphor, in that metaphorical sense. Um, but it's the, it's the parallel, well, like the anti-parallel technically, but the, like the reversal parallel with abiding in the light, right? The one loving his brother abides in the light 
and a scandal on does not abide in him right it's not is not is not is not in him um yes is not in him literally a scandal on is not in him literally um he abides in the light and a scandal on is not in him that is not nobody else in the bible is using the word scandal on that way like to say it's a scandal on is in somebody right they're saying don't be a scandal on like you're being a scandal on right now knock it off peter right uh paul telling people in romans like don't be a scandal on don't create a situation that's going to be a scandal on for people um you know to uh paul saying in corinthians um jesus crucified you know christ crucified is a scandal on to the jews and foolishness to the gentiles um or that the cross is a scandal on as he says where is that galatians um but nowhere is anybody saying a scandal on is like in you it's always outside you that's the whole point of it right the whole point of it is that it's it's outside it's going to trip you up it's going to entrap you it's about something's going to happen to you a scandal on is always in that sense an environmental hazard by saying a scandal on isn't going to be in you he's using it he's, i mean he's plainly invoking that metaphor i mean that that seems clearly well enough established a metaphor that he's using it i'm not saying he's using a totally different metaphor but he's using it totally differently the cause of stumbling saying you won't trip yourself up yeah in a sense i mean yes but i think he's saying more than that He's saying more than that. You, the implication is that if you don't abide in the light, again, he's doesn't saying like, I, I'm coming back to what he is not saying, what it sounds like he's saying, but which he has not in fact said, which is what I would expect him to say. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and doesn't trip on the stumbling blocks because he can see him clearly because he's in the light. Right. Like that's what I would expect him to say. That's what it sounds like he's saying. And I'm not saying he's not, I'm not saying that's not part of the meaning. That's certainly true. Right. Uh, one of the good things about abiding in the light is that you will see the causes of stumbling before you have a chance to stumble on them. You will see the traps. You will see the, the, the trip wires. But, um, but that's not what he phrases it, how he phrases it. It's not what he says. They won't be in you. They won't be in him, which could mean you won't cause yourself to stumble. Could also mean you won't cause other people to stumble, right? I mean, there might be, I mean, the, you know, there in, in one sense, right? It's not the phrasing from Matthew, but like Jesus could have been like, dude, there's a stumbling block in you right now. A stumbling block for me in you, right? And that's not the way it was said there. But again, so, but presumably that might be one of the senses of this idea of having a stumbling block in you. Um, is that you would then be, you know, you would be a stumbling block for other people as well as yourself. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. But um, I wonder even, 
let's hold on to this. Well, be alluding back to just just as I keep alluding back to the earlier paragraphs, we'll keep alluding back to this as we go on. I think there's some stuff in the future that lies in our future here in First John that might cause us to look at that verse in even more interesting ways. This strange phrasing here, this quasi uh, personif not personification, but I don't know. It's like he's taking there's the physical thing. And then there's the metaphor of the thing. And then he's taking that metaphor and like, I keep wanting to use the word personifying, but it's not exactly personifying. Um, you know, shifting it again, shifting its ground again, making it a thing inside you, um, a part of you, uh, a thing that would be a part of you if you weren't abiding in the light. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway. But he goes on to explain what that looks like. We get the counter, right? And so again, the shift in the pattern, we get that if-then sort of thing here in verse 10, got distracted by like noticing the scandal on thing. I just, yeah, uh, just saying it again, as I said. But anyway, okay, sorry. We get that if-then pattern implied in verse 10, but then we get verse 11 as well. And so when you get verse 10 and 11 put next to each other, he does what he did not do the first two times, and that is give us the two scenarios right next to each other, right? Let me show you what the positive looks like, which he was doing before, right? Uh, fellowship with one another, blood of Jesus cleansing all your sin, and love of God perfected in you, right? Um, so we got the description of the positive, but now he's laying right alongside that positive description, the negative one back to that to the hating your brother business right and the being in the darkness until now but the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes let's just scan through the greek here and make sure there's nothing that i'm that we're missing here the one however hating mizon so mizon is uh being given as the opposite of uh, of uh, the, um, where were we here in the one loving? Agapon, right? We got the agape. So mizon and agape are given as opposites here. The one, however, mizon, hating the brother of him, in the darkness is, just like in the light, abiding in the light, is in the darkness and walks in the darkness. So he is in the darkness, peripatai, right? Walks around in the darkness. I remember this came up before, peripatai, um, right? I bet I can get it right from here if I click on it, but I, we're going to get a whole boatload of examples because it's a common word. Yeah, too many to appear on here. Let's not look at all 96 occurrences. Anyway, um, in First John, we got peripatai earlier on. And weren't we talking about the difference between that walking verb and other walking verbs? Walk about. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's right. Walk about. Um, walk about with a, that tendency to use that metaphorically for to behave or to conduct oneself, as Randall says. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the one hating the brother of him. is in the darkness and walks in the darkness 
and does not know. Huh. Oiden. Is that oi? Oiden? Oiden? Oi. Right? Soy? Oiden. But um, that's different from all the verbs for know that we've gotten. What does that one mean? Be aware. Behold, consider, perceive. Okay. Yeah. Just doesn't see it. Doesn't realize it. Doesn't perceive it. As opposed to the knowledge we were looking at, like in back in paragraph three, right? About coming to know him. Um, it's not that kind of knowledge. This is just perception to be aware of. This has like showed up on your radar screen, right? Is that is this seems to be this kind of knowledge. Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong about that. Okay. Uh Right. So it mostly means like have have it, it comes from right the verb see. Okay. Okay. Um, right, right. It's an Indo-European thing. <laughs> Aren't they all? <laughs> uh, okay. Um so he is not aware of where he is going. Because the darkness has blinded the ophthalmos, the eyes of him. Okay. Etiflossen, etuflossen, etuflossen, etuflossen. Stress on the second one. Etuflossen has blinded the ophthalmos altu, the eyes of him. Okay. Notice again. I was talking about when I was talking about that rhetorical build, right? It's the parallelism of this sentence. The one, however, hates so notice how you get the direct parallelism with verse 10, the one loving the brother of him, the one hating the brother of him, right? With just that word de. However, right? Just a but, right? The one loving the brother of him, but the one hating the brother of him. The one loving the brother of him abides in the light. And the and a scandalon is not in him. The one hating his brother is in the darkness, walks and walks in the darkness, and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Scotia, 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 darkness three times throughout this verse. We get the threefold darkness, right? and its effects on the person. The first is just an assertion of what he said back in verse 9. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. In Tescotia Estin, in verse 9, we got, and hating the brother of him, in Tescotia Estin, exactly the same phrase in exactly the same order, Right? The one hating the brother of him is in the darkness. Did I mention this? It's in the darkness. But now I'm going to expand on it and walks in the dark. Think about what that means to be in the darkness. It means that you're walking in the darkness. Did I mention scandalon? Did I mention stumbling blocks? Did I mention opportunities to fall into traps and pits and snares or even just to fall in your face? Yeah. You're walking 
in the darkness. Oh, wait, and why is that a problem? Because your eyes are blind. Did I mention it's dark, right? And does not know where he is going because the darkness, the scotia, has blinded his eyes. He cannot see. So he's going to hit all the scandalon, all the scandala, right? Um, and he does not know. He is not aware where he is going. He has no idea. By the way, you see one of the things that this can lead to very easily. This can very easily lead to uh, saying you have fellowship with God and yet walking in darkness because you don't know where you're going. You don't even know where you are. It's easy to become self-deceived. But also, I think, does not know where he is going seems also to imply has no direction, right? Doesn't know what the destination even is anymore. Um, you don't know where you're going. You don't know how to get there because the darkness has blinded your eyes. Sorry, I'm looking back over the negative statements in these if-thens. If we say we have fellowship and yet walk in the darkness, know more about the darkness there. If we say we have no sin, we talk about confessing our sins, but don't really talk about sin there yet. We say we have not sinned. Again, we're not talking about that. Um, we talk about sin then at the end. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, being a propitiation for our sins and the sins of the whole world. Yeah. And this is, sorry, let me explain what I'm looking for here. The emphasis on the words is on the concept is the, on positives and negatives. Let me explain what I mean by that. When I use the word positive and negative, I try to use that. Um, sometimes people use positive and negative meaning good and bad, right? Like a positive thing is a good thing and a negative thing is a bad thing. I try not to use it in that term because the logical usage of positive and negative are very, very helpful. And I try not to lose those. Um, positive meaning a thing that exists and negative meaning like so positive meaning the presence of a thing absence meaning the or negative meaning the absence of a thing right um so like if you say that someone is making a negative observation that doesn't mean that they're i i try to use that word consistently uh so that it when you say oh he's saying something negative that doesn't mean he's saying something bad about you it means that he's saying something he's making a statement about something that is not right? About the absence of something, as opposed to a positive statement, which is making a statement about the existence of something. So if you say um, there are leftovers in the fridge, you're making a positive statement. Doesn't mean the leftovers are good, but you're making a positive statement. You're making a statement about their presence, right? If you may, if you say uh, there's nothing in the fridge, well, you're using hyperbole almost certainly, um, but uh, but you're making a negative statement. Right. You're saying uh, or if you say like we're we're all out of this. Right. That's a negative statement. You're just saying and making a statement about something that is not there. Similarly, you can make arguments based on these things. Right. You make an, a positive argument and a negative argument, meaning um, an argument uh, from something that you see and something that's not or a negative argument from something that isn't there. So far. His. John has not made any almost any positive statements about evil, about darkness, if you see what I mean. 
So let me go back to illustrate this again. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Do not practice the truth. No, it's a negative statement, right? It's a, it's a, um, he's talking about what is, what we're not doing. Right. But if we walk in the light now, the positive, right. I'm going to talk. So his, he's been talking about what should be there and how it's nonsense. If it's not actually, if we say the thing, but the thing isn't actually there then it's nonsense. But here's what the thing, what happens if the thing is there, right? The the good thing, if the, the positive presence of the good thing, right? Similarly, the one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments. If the keeping of the commandments is not there, it's nonsense. But whoever f- keeps his word, right? When the keeping of the word is present, then this is what happens, right? Um, in verse 11, now, we're getting a positive statement about darkness. Darkness is now present. He's not just saying, he's not just talking about the good thing, you know, making a, so saying a negative statement about the goodness, right? When the goodness is not there, it's a, it becomes not, and if you say this, but the goodness isn't there, it's nonsense. And, but here's the, if the goodness is there, here's what happens, right? Again, he does that. In verse 10, the one who loves his brother, when love is there, love is the good thing here, right? When love is there, then here are the good results, right? But now there's a positive bad thing, the darkness. He is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. The darkness is the subject of the verb now. It's doing a thing. It's present. And of course, that fits because, again, of the way he's changed the paradigm, the way he's getting up more in our business, as I said before. We're not just talking about walking in the light with God, generally speaking. We're not just talking about keeping the commandments, generally speaking. We're talking about love and hate. Both of those are positive things. They both exist. He's not just talking about love and where there is not love. He's talking about love and hate, two positive things that are against each other. And that's what we get in verse 10 and 11. If you say the one thing, so in a sense, he has deviated. He doesn't just say, if you say this thing, but it isn't there, it's nonsense. It's like that, but he's taken again, he's taken this step further. If you say that there's this one thing, but this other thing is there. That's nonsense too. But it's nonsense. It's a different kind of nonsense, right? Um, it's, uh, well, I don't know if it's fair to call it a more dangerous kind of nonsense. They're all pretty dangerous. But um, but this is why then we get both verses 10 and 11. Let's look at both sides. Because he's talking about not just the good thing that should be, or maybe it's not. He's talking about a good thing and a bad thing, love and hate. If you hate your brother, you're in the darkness until now. So verse 11, but the one hating his brother, just like the one loving his brother, they're parallel, both positive statements, one about a good thing, one about a bad thing. The one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness. Those are both fairly neutral. And using the word darkness, um, like we saw before, 
like walking in darkness. In him, there is no darkness at all. And yet walk in the darkness, right? Um, hmm. Now I'm thinking about in him, there is no darkness at all. Like uh, there is uh, a, a scandal on is not in him. Anyway, okay. In him, there is no darkness at all, yet walk in the darkness. Um, the darkness, the scotia, was always the opposite of the fos, the foti, right? Um, the light. But it was almost always used in that kind of a negative sense, where the darkness, where the light is not, there is darkness, right? But it wasn't, it didn't do anything. The darkness didn't do anything. Now it's doing something because the darkness has blinded his eyes. There's a little footnote behind that statement. The darkness never did anything. It did. Darkness has been the subject of a verb before, but we'll get to that in a second. So footnote, put a pin in that, come right back to that. The one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So love and light, hatred and darkness are being clearly and explicitly connected. You can't say you're in the light and yet hate your brother. That's nonsense. It's just simply untrue. It can't be true because hatred is darkness. And love is light. If you love your brother, you abide in the light. And a scandalon does not abide in you. But the one who hates, the hating one, is, is in the darkness, walks in the darkness. And again, so the, the in parallels, the parallels between in the darkness and in the light and in him, right? The no scandal on is not in him in verse 10 we get two ins in verse 11 too corresponding to those abides in the light is in the is in the darkness a scandal on is not in him walks in the darkness and those again are direct both of them have the walking metaphor going on right um, and it's interesting, like he doesn't talk about scandala in relationship to explicitly, right? He doesn't use the word scandal on in verse 11. He could, right? It could be like, but the one who hates his brother is in the darkness. And like, you know, his life is one scandal on after another, right? Um, and walks in the darkness or tries to, right? Except like hopeless in the face of all the scandala, right? So the parallel implies it, but doesn't say it, right? But yet we do have that walking. So again, so you see the parallelism, but then he keeps going and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Um, notice how the first parallel between the one loving his brother and the one hating his brother, we've got abides in the light and is in the darkness. That's the first parallel. And the darkness statement is much weaker. It just uses is, 
right? I mean, as I recall, it's just a um, esteem. Yeah, it's just a helping verb, right? It's just a, it's just a linking verb is what I mean. Not helping verb, linking verb. It's a linking verb. He is in the darkness. It's just to be. Whereas abides is an active verb. It suggests more like a a choice, right? Um, it's a thing you're doing. Abiding is a thing you do. By the way, that's going to come up a lot. The word abide, I already said abide is going to become is going to be a really important word in the rest of First John. Um, abiding is a thing you do. That would be one take home, right? Uh, from First John, abiding is an active verb. Um, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say the one who hates his brother abides in the darkness. He he just is in the darkness. So that's the darkness side is weaker there. But then he comes and adds to it at the end. You are in the darkness. If you hate your brother, you are in the darkness and you walk in the darkness with the implied scandal therein. But the darkness has blinded you. When you are in the darkness, you are subject to the darkness. Like that is, the darkness acts upon you, upon your eyes, and blinds them so that you cannot see. You do not know. You are not aware. <clears throat> not of what you're doing. Not, not just of where you are, not just of what you're doing, like the walking, like where you are, first thing, in the darkness. Not just where what you're doing, walking, in the darkness. Those are true to also. But you don't know where you're going. You don't even know where you're headed. You're not even aware of what direction you're going. Because the darkness has done something to you. When you hate your brother, you allow darkness to do something to you, to blind your eyes. And when that happens, you're no longer aware. Not only where you are, not only what you're doing, but of where you're headed. Whereas, when you're loving your brother, a scandal on is not in you. A stumbling block isn't there inside you. You're not carrying it around with you. Yeah, I still find that so striking. Okay, now let's go back. The other time. When was the other time darkness has gotten a verb? Do you remember? Hint, it's right there. Verse 8. Yeah. I am. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, in Jesus and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The darkness is passing away and the light, the true light, is shining. And we talked about that a good bit. But that's the immediate context for what he gives us here 
about love and hatred. I am writing a new commandment unto you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Let me tell you why that's important. The one who says he's in the light and yet hates his brothers in the darkness until now. Yeah, that darkness that I just talked about that's passing away. If you say you're in that true light, the true light that's already shining, but you hate your brother, you're actually in the darkness that's passing away. The one who loves his brother abides in the light. That also, of course, gives another reason to to understand why he doesn't say they abide in the darkness. Because the darkness itself it ain't abiding, it's passing away, right? Um, there's no abiding in the darkness because the darkness is now ephemeral. True light is shining. It's sticking around. You can abide in that. But again, I come back to does not know where he is going. Where is he going? Um, Away, presumably. That's where the darkness is going. It's passing away. The one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. It is true, of course, as Randall was pointing out, that darkness, uh, sorry, that walking, uh, the peripatetic verb, uh, peripatai here, um, is very frequently used as a metaphor for your actions, your behavior, your life, right? Um, Christians still use the word in this way, right? Like when we talk about our walk, meaning our lives and how we act and what we do, um, how we relate to God and other things through our lives. But let's not forget, verse 8 has the light stationary and the darkness in motion. And verses 10 and 11 show us the loving person stationary and the hating person in motion. That walking in the darkness, I think, is not just, again, the, the usage of the walk in that metaphorical sense is too pervasive for there not to be that kind of overlay in that phrase, right? There's no question that, you know, he is saying on the one, on one level, he is definitely saying the walk of your life will be a walk in darkness with all of the dangers attendant thereunto, all of the traps, all the things you're going to trip over or bump into, all of the things that you, the traps you're going to fall into. Um, yes, that is true. But in the context of this paragraph, walking at all is bad, right? The light stays. The darkness is going away. You have no opportunity for tripping if you don't move, <laughs> right? That is that is unmistakable. Um, that is irrefutable. Um, and I think that what we see, the reference to abiding, to staying still, in verse 10, and the reference to motion, walking, but walking blindly, in verse 11, seems plainly to recall what we see there in verse 8 with the light shining present, not, not arriving, not beginning to shine, not coming in, not 
Okay, but already shiny. And the darkness passing away. Um, that there is something solid, something rooting about love and something that, I don't know, draws you into motion, right, with about hatred, um, keeps you from being rooted. The light is here. If you stick around, you'll be in the light. But it's it's in the darkness that you're in motion. So walking here, um, yeah. I, so Devori, you could say that walking here is like the idea of wandering. But again, I think it's wandering implies like everybody's in motion. The question is, I mean, it's like a different metaphor, a very common metaphor, even a more common metaphor. I think um, that like life is a journey, right? We're all walking, like we're walking, whether we want to walk or not, right? Um, you know, just as time marches, as we say, um, inexorably on, so we're all walking on this journey of life. Um, and the question is what path we're choosing, right? Whether we're tripping over stuff, whether we're falling into traps along the wayside. Um, so yes, that in that sense... You've got the like walking the, you know, the straight, you know, going through the straight and the narrow door, right? That kind of thing um, versus wandering off the path, um, uh, you know, like Bilbo and the dwarves in The Hobbit. Not exactly like that, perhaps, but a little bit like that, actually. Um, however, that seems to be he, he's not using that metaphor at all. I think in this paragraph, he seems to have um, he seems to be introducing inviting us to think about it completely differently, not as walking. Walking is not the dominant metaphor. The light is already shining. Notice even the business with the command, like he starts off in verse seven, talking about the thing which you've had from the beginning, the thing which has never moved, thing which has always been. This idea of like rootedness and unchangingness and abiding is dominant from the start of this paragraph, right? That's the good thing. The old commandment, which you have had from the beginning, the word, which you have heard is from the beginning. God himself is not a walk. He's not a journey. He is right. And he has been from the beginning. He has abided from his abode, abidden, abided, abided from the beginning. Um, I almost never use the past tense. Or sorry, the past participle of the word abide. Anyway, um, and just as the true light is already shining. Of course, it's already shining, right? I, you know, from the beginning, it's been shining. From, you know, let there be light onwards, it's been shining. But it's the darkness that's passing away. And remember, this whole idea of remaining and passing away was the whole topic of verses seven and eight. Sorry, this is me like processing the fact that this has been the whole theme of the paragraph this whole time, and I didn't even really notice it until now. Um, yeah, I'm not writing a new commandment to you. Remember our new and old commandment? We, uh, you know, our new and old discussion. We can come back to that for a second, right? A kainen, right? Remember we had the two different words for new: neon and kainen. Kainen meaning fresh, right? Um, you've got like the 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 that the 
old and the new, the 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 the, the ancient and the the new fashioned, right? Um, and then you've got the worn out and the fresh. So old and new in two different senses. I'm not writing a fresh commandment. I'm not writing a replacement commandment to you. The that which is the old commandment is not passed away and needs to be replaced by a new commandment. That's not what's happening here. I'm writing an old commandment, which you've had from the beginning. It has remained, right? It is the word that you have heard. The word which has been from the beginning. But actually, I am writing a fresh commandment unto you, which is true in him and in you because the light is and the darkness is passing away. So there is a fresh situation. And it seems to me that the thing that's primarily fresh about the situation is the movement of the darkness. The darkness is passing away. True light is already shining. True light's been shining. Right? App Arche from the beginning. Right? It's app. It's an app. Yes, app arcase. From the beginning. Um I think the darkness passing away is the thing that's new. Right. And it's fresh in a different sense. Right. And we talked about this. You know, I'm not writing something to replace the old, we're not chucking out the old commandment, replacing the new commandment, but I am asking you to think about this in a new way. This is going to hit you like a fresh commandment. This is going to sound different. Right. That's one sense I think of that. But also the new situation, the darkness is passing away. That's new. The darkness was there. Right. And it's still here, but it's on the way out the door. And the time will come when the true light again we're in that that's the you know um already but not yet situation that we're in right the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining um so yes all the way through this paragraph we've seen this emphasis on stability versus transitory The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. And boy, we come back to the until now here, don't we? Oh, that hits hard in this context. Is in the darkness until now because the darkness is passing away, right? The darkness is passing away. So up to this point, he's been in the darkness. We spoke of the grace there, the opportunity there. Um. Yeah, hates his brother is in the darkness until now. It it means perhaps there's an opportunity now, right, to leave the darkness. But it also means now, what's happening now in the new commandment? Now the darkness is passing away. Yeah, that's the danger. It's the opportunity, right? The until now, there's grace in the until now. There's also warning in the until now, isn't there? Well, now the darkness is passing away. Uh, You go and are staying, right? If you're hating your brother, you're going badly, stumblingly, trippingly, cluelessly. But you're going. You're walking. You don't know where. You don't know why. You're not doing it well. But you're... Um, but you're going, you're not staying. Wow. Okay. 
That's not the conclusion I was building up to. <laughs> but considering that this is the last sentence of this paragraph, and now that um, uh, seems, oh, really cool. Sorry, last point. Sorry, Brando, I had missed that observation. Randall was talking about the verb going at the end. Um, don't know where you're, uh, he's going. Um, uh, Hoopagai. Hoopagai. Um so uh hoopa guy uh so that's interesting too in some contexts it can mean to go away um yeah it can mean to go away what is the what is what's the verb i forget in verse eight uh uh right paragat uh para yeah paragatai paragatai right right doesn't know where he's going right he's going somewhere he's going away he's going somewhere yeah yeah um yeah yeah, no, I think I'll leave it with that. I think uh, talking about remaining and passing away, that does seem to be really, again, the, that's been his, he's been talking about that for all five verses, though I didn't realize it until now. There's more I want to say about love and hate. That's what I was kind of building up to. Um, the negative and the positive and the negative. No, darn it. The good and the bad, both positives, right? The positive and the positive. The fact that we're not doing positive and negative. Um, but that we're doing the two positives, the one good positive, the one bad positive, love and hatred, um, and more about those things. I think we can, I think we can, I think we should think a little bit more about love and hatred before we move on, uh, to paragraph five, because love is, um, spoiler, well, first John spoiler here, love's going to come up a lot uh love he's just started talking about love very recently um he's not going to stop talking about love so um it's important for us to think the fact that he is really first bringing up love he first brought it up when talking about the love of god has truly been perfected in us right um but now uh we have um love and hate and so i i think we should think more about those by the way you see um devora see how in verse six the one who says he remains in him ought him ought to walk himself just as he walked right um they're the walking right that's uh is that the parapete but that is parapete yep both of them um there he's clearly using the word walk in the traditional metaphor, right? Walking is not bad here, right? We're walking, you're supposed to walk just as Jesus walked. So you can see that's, he's still, it's not, he's not using that. In fact, but having just used it, he then shifts it, right? And is now kind of inviting us to think about, to still use that again. That's why walking in the darkness can still be used in that sense, the same sense in which it was being used in verse six. If you walk in the darkness, right? It can still it can still mean that. It can still mean um uh walk in this uh in this sense of um you know just to act, to behave, to live your life, right? But in the larger picture of this paragraph, it has this new context in which abide not walking is not the thing, abiding is the thing. Um and walking in the darkness mean begins to mean something else something new um but um anyway okay all right um 
Awesome. Uh, let's let's end there again. We'll we'll talk a little bit more about love and hatred at the beginning of next time, and then we will move on to paragraph five. Wow! Oh, huge progress. Look, and it's only it'll be only the twenty second meeting, and yet we're already on uh, already on paragraph five. That's enormous. Okay, um, so we will do that. Uh, we'll 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 do that next time. Thanks everybody for joining us, uh, and we will. I will look forward to talking to you guys next time. Bye now. Okay, that's it for this week. I'll be back with another episode soon as we continue our march through First John. I'm glad you could join me. Godspeed.